0: Good evening and welcome to Relationship Game Changers. I tell you, I was telling Amy earlier today I'm wired, and that is the exact word I used. I sense, the joy of the Lord. I heard it as you guys were praying, the laughter, the joy. And before we get started, I just want to unmute the line, and let's just enter into the joy of the Lord, because it is our strength. And I tell you what, it's authentic, it's genuine, it's organic. And whenever we see the organic move of God, we ought to celebrate it. So let's do that just for about 30 seconds or so, and we'll go straight away in what we're doing we praise you. we rejoice, Lord. We rejoice, we rejoice in the Lord. Yes, Lord. We praise higher We higher you. higher 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 Lord. higher Lord. Yes, Lord. by The by higher by higher by higher God. And I'm also going to ask Mother Kennedy, if you'll just blow the shofar a few times. Oh, my gosh. Let us enter into the joy of the Lord tonight in Jesus' name. To God be all the glory. Hallelujah. The joy
1: of the Lord <laughs> is out <there>. yes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Don't tell me God can't restore our youth because I tell you what, we call her Mother Kennedy for a reason, and we love her. We love you. We appreciate your humility and your teachability. Oh, my gosh, your adaptability. We bless you in the name of Jesus Christ, and we just thank you for who you are and what you bring to this line, and we thank you, Father God, that, Lord, even as she stands in the gap for her children, God, that you are answering her prayers and our prayers on their behalf, God. We bless you, and we thank you, Lord. And for each one on the line, we just thank you tonight, God, for they are your children, your people, your sons, God, and we give them back to you, Father God. Lord, we just pray, and we thank you, Lord, even for my neighbor who's going to have a planned C-section tomorrow. Lord, we pray, God, that all the scalpel, the surgeons, and anyone that comes near this mother and baby has, Lord, gone through you first in the name of Jesus. We thank you that this baby will be delivered without incident, and, Lord, that the recovery will be speedy. Lord, we bless you, Father God, and we thank you for what you're doing in this Young mother and and family, God, I thank you for adding a fourth child to this family. Lord, your heritage, and, Lord, as they believe you and love you, we just give this family and their children back to you. And then for our neighbor across the street, Lord, we just, Lord, they're struggling, God. They're materially rich, but souls are in poverty. And, Lord, we just bless you and we thank you, Lord, for giving us opportunities Lord, i don't know why they love us i don't know why they always want us in your presence except that we have been bred to hungry souls and we have been light in their darkness god so father god i thank you for the testimony of continuing to prove and prove your word even through our lives in the in our neighbors lives in jesus name amen and amen well if this is your first time on relationship game changers Where We teach, we pray biblical truths that transcend gender, race, culture, economics, political parties, denominations. And this excites me and should excite you because um, such truths are the only real sustainable hope the body of Christ has for true unity, whether we're talking about marriage, whether we're talking about a local church, whether we're talking about the big C church, that, the truths and principles that transcend all of these circumstantial things that we we are, gender, race, all of these things, that your truth penetrates to the core and beyond these things. As we grasp these things, God, we enter into the unity of the faith in Jesus' name. And so we welcome you. We bless you, Um I mean, I'm just, I'm beside myself, excited. I know Richard had a testimony, and guys, for six and a half weeks, I could not elevate my voice. The pain, um, you know, I went uh, along with Amy in prayer to rule out anything that I might have brought, uh, it can uh, open the door to, found something. We addressed it in prayer, and yet it also served as an attack from the enemy. Um, To shut my mouth, I'm telling you what you're hearing on this line is revelation. It is revolutionary. It will change your life. And a little bit on, I'll tell you why it's not being taught in religious circles. But we've been talking, again, for those of you who have not been on, we've been talking about reclaiming our sovereignty. When Jesus died, he, uh, he, he, he did several things, many things. He saved us from eternal and spared us from eternal judgment. He won back the freedom that Adam and Eve gave up, and he gave us the right to reclaim our sovereignty because without sovereignty, then you and I are not able to fully surrender ourselves to the Lord. As long as we farm out our ability to think and decide for ourselves, whoever we yield ourselves to, Two becomes our master, the word of God says. And so sovereignty is about fully owning yourself, defining yourself clearly, and surrendering yourself completely to the Father, all by the truth, grace, and love of God. So we've been focusing on the last several weeks about defining ourselves as Jesus defined himself. And I'm kind of going fast over this little review, because I really want to get to what I want to talk about tonight. And when I do, I will slow down. But we've been talking about how Jesus defines himself versus how man defines himself. We have gotten through two of those things so far. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He said, I am the light of the world. And we compared that to how many in ministry define themselves. I'm an apostle. I'm a prophet. I'm an evangelist. I'm a teacher. And we get caught up in these titles. And yet Jesus was all of those things. He was the prophet above prophets. He was the teacher above teachers. He was the apostle above apostles. Oh, my gosh. His legacy continues, and yet I have yet to find scriptures where he's referring to himself in those titles. Now, when people spoke to him, they used some of those titles. They have called him teacher. They called him prophet. But when I look at the scripture of Jesus' testimony of his own life, it is the testimony of the Father, and that testimony, he, made, he defined himself in things that everyone around the world could understand. Because every culture has a state that we can call bread. Some cultures, it's rice. Some cultures, you know, in, our, in America, it's bread. It's literal bread. But every culture has a staple that is unique to that culture, unique to that country, and it is present and prevalent at most meals. And then every culture, regardless of your gender, race, regardless of your, your religion, regardless of what it is, everybody understands light. We have them in our house, we go outside, everyone. So Jesus always defined himself in something that could easily be understood even by the unbeliever. An unbeliever doesn't care about your apostle, he doesn't care that you're a teacher. What he wants to know, can I eat off of your life? He wants to know, are you shining light in my darkness? The reason why our neighbors want us to come around, we don't do anything, they do more for us than we've done for them. What they want. I mean crying. I was over their house the other night crying, we need you in our lives. Please don't go anywhere. These are unbelievers saying this. What are they seeing? They're not seeing a teacher they're not seeing a prophet. They're not seeing an evangelist. They're not seeing an apostle. They're seeing bread that has been that has tasted good, and they want more of it. They've seen light, a different way of thinking that they want for themselves. Now they don't know how to get it, but that's why we're in their life. And tonight, I was going to talk about the third thing that Jesus calls Himself. He says, "I am the gate. I am a gate." So each of us must. Uh, We are gates, and we must become gates, and your gates have to do with your assignment. However, what I want to talk about tonight, I need to take a departure because I believe that God wants me to share uh, this particular word with you. So next week, we'll get back to the gate. So stay with me. We're still going to be talking about sovereignty here, but I just want to take a, a departure this week and share with you what the Lord showed me. I want to talk about how the supernatural works through the natural. How the supernatural works through, works with and through human beings. So many of us, you know, are um, supernaturally minded and we sit in heavenly places. We hear a lot about sitting in heavenly places. And this is true. But heaven is also in us. So we don't have to go there. We just have to be there with God in us. Colossians one twenty seven says Christ in us is the hope of glory. 1 John 4.4 says greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. 2 Corinthians 5.19 says, that uh, says that god was in christ god was in a human being reconciling the world to himself not counting their sins against them and has entrusted to us the message of reconciliation oh my gosh god was in christ christ was not just seated in heavenly places uh uh and actually when he was on earth uh he in prayer he was in heavenly places in relating to the Father, he was in heavenly places, but when he was on earth, and you search this out, when he was doing miracles, he was not doing them as the Son of God. He was doing them as the Son of Man. He said the Son of Man has the power to forgive sins. You and I, as the sons of men, have the power to forgive sin." Oh, my gosh, search it out. Just search out the miracles and the signs and wonders. And you'll see over time, you'll see over the course of his life, he performed many of those things as the son of man. But when he was speaking to religion, he was speaking as the son of God. Interesting, interesting study. So that means the divine, the invisible, the supernatural God was in man for the very first time since Adam. If he was in man before between Adam and Jesus, then Jesus would not have had to come. So in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was upon man. He was upon man. But in the New Testament, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will be in us a spring of water springing up, a well of water springing up into eternal life, that rivers would flow out of our belly. So this divine being called God the father and jesus christ and god the holy spirit are in us to do the same thing he did when he was in G- when he was in jesus on the earth and so jesus when he was in his earth suit was empowered by a supernatural force and we who are Christians know that source to be God the Father. We call Him Elohim. We call Him Jehovah. You know, we call Him Jehovah Jireh. We call Him Jehovah Rafi. We call, um, we call Him. Uh, there are numerous names in which Jesus, uh, in which the Father revealed Himself through Jesus. So you get the picture. It's not just us sitting in heavenly places. It's heaven sitting in us. He wants to make his abode in us. And the question is, is our abode available to the Father? In John 8, 26, he said said this. He said, he only says what he hears from the Father. In John 5, 19, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself But what he sees the father do for whatever he does, likewise the son does. So, again, you see Jesus here, the son of God, referring to himself as the son of man and that what he does as the son, what he does as the son, he does in response to the father. So, Christianity is a response. We initiate in response to something spirituality and some of the ways people look at it or the spirituality and i'm not speaking about new age but spirituality being spiritual is a response to a spirit that is the whole of christianity it is a response the bible says christ and you've been crucified with him Nevertheless, you live, it's not you, it is Christ living in you, and this life we, human beings, now live, we live in obedience, or we live live yielded, or we live surrendered to Christ. That's Galatians 2.20. So, wow. So, we as human beings must reclaim our sovereignty, because only when you're a sovereign being can you surrender yourself to the Father as he desires. My gosh, so Jesus wasn't he, wasn't, he wasn't aspiring to be spiritual. He wasn't even aspiring to be supernatural. I know we like those terms and words, but Jesus is spiritual. He is supernatural. Oh, my God. And why is he supernatural? Because the Father is him in him doing his will and his good pleasure. We are spirit beings, and then we are human beings, and then we are male or female. That's the order. We're born again spirit beings, and then we are part of this species called humanity, and within the species called humanity, then we are male and female. Oh, my gosh. So you and I, along with Jesus, in, in, in like manner as Jesus, we must be free willing. And, uh, and a choosing agent of God on the earth. We must be free in order to reclaim our sovereignty. And there are many Christians that will declare freedom, and you can look at their lives and their relationships. You can look at their struggles. And not to say that they're bound in every area, but in some area, God is wanting to deliver, for us to experience the deliverance He has won on the cross. So it's that Jesus. I'm trying to go through this fast because I'm still not to really what I want to say, but I, I need to set it up so you see where I'm, where I'm going. It is, it, it's, it's this, that Jesus regards and maintains his sovereignty. That is paramount. Listen, identifying with Christ is good. It is acceptable. But more than identifying with Christ, God wants us to use our free will, our sovereignty to surrender all to him. And in whatever area that you are not ruling your soul, you are not sovereign. And I, and, and I talk about the reasons in this hour that you reclaiming your sovereignty is significant. You have to go back and listen to some of the previous messages. But I gave you several reasons why sovereignty is the best weapon that the body of Christ has uh, in, in, in terms of what is happening in this world and what is coming at us so think about it and you know some and maybe yourself you know many christians are suffering and they're and suffering unnecessarily because there is a suffering that's appointed to the people of god that's in 1st Thessalonians but suffering ungodly in ways god never intended and failing or experiencing shortcomings in the fulfillment of their assignment because it is a directly attributable to not having reclaimed their sovereignty in some area that is germane to their assignment. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And then God will use our struggles. He'll use our, you know, I find it interesting that, you know, one of the things that I see in many circumstances, that the very message you're designed to carry is the very message that uh, you don't necessarily seem to uh, be prevailing in your own life. So I'm all about kingdom relationships, and, and, and a lot of people use that, but I can tell you the body of Christ today is not living kingdom relationships. We talk about it, but we do not live. We call it family, but we're not living true kingdom relationships. And I say that because the area, many of you know, I know that I have been divorced, not, whether it's my, my desire or not, my relationship failed. It failed. So, you know, and, and I look at my kids. Now, God is healing, but in the relationships, so in relationships, I have suffered sometimes unnecessarily and sometimes because of my own choices. And I see that, you know, people that have, you know, healing ministries, they'll suffer in the area of healing. People that have great financial ministries may have 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 great financial hardship. So it's not about us being perfect. It's about us taking the journey with God. And the only way we can do that is if we are sovereign, free, willing, choosing, self-ruling agents that can surrender of our own free will. Sovereignty is required of every kingdom citizen. I told you before, John ten seventeen through nineteen. Read it. That is Jesus proclaiming his sovereignty, and he says it was my. Uh, the, the, he did it because it was a command that he heard from his father. So your sovereignty reclaiming it is not an option. It is required if you are a kingdom citizen. So let me say this because i said i was going to tell you that religion has no intention of teaching you about sovereignty because it would be the end of religion religion is uh it it purports itself to be godly and let me tell you there is religion in every denomination so before we condemn the denominations please understand god is delivering the church in every denomination the remnant he's pulling out from, uh, us from religion and religious systems. That's why you have some of the millennials, they don't go to church. Please listen to the reasons they don't go to church before you condemn them, and one of the main reasons they don't like the organized church as we've set it up is because they find it to be religious and restrictive and condemning. Religion will use scripture to persuade people, you know, to, you know, I mean, it just, it presents this false sense of godliness, and it uses scripture to persuade people to behave in a certain way. It overemphasizes doctrines other than Christ, uh, or, or teaches instructions as if they're doctrines. And there are many examples of this, guys, but this is not the crux of my lesson. That's something that you guys are interested in. We can go there another time. The bottom line, religion is about enslaving people. It's about hijacking the will of men and women. Now, if your will is hostage, you are not sovereign. I don't care how much you declare it, you're not sovereign if you do not have your freedom to think and decide for yourself. So religion is not about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, Jesus told the Pharisees, you don't go into the kingdom, and what's worse, you're preventing my people from going into the kingdom. Do you understand that there are ministers that may teach about the kingdom but have not entered the kingdom, and they are preventing you and me from entering the kingdom? Oh, my gosh. And when the kingdom is taught, not all the time, but sometimes it's purely for selfish gain. The goal of religion, again, is not for you to enter the kingdom. The problem with that is God, Jesus, preached the kingdom. He did not preach salvation. He preached the kingdom. And then he said, now salvation is how you enter this particular thing, how you can move into this thing. So of the Pharisees, Jesus said, you draw near to me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. And then he has some devastating words. Again, Jesus say, many will say to me in the last day, I did all these things in your name, and I will say I never knew you. you they never knew the king and his kingdom. Oh, my gosh. The Bible says that anyone that comes any other way but the, but the gate is a thief and a robber. So there are people that are Christian or that profess to be Christian who are thieves, and robbers. They're using the truths and the principles of God to set up their own kingdoms. Oh, my gosh. So we have to be delivered from religious systems. We have to be delivered. So how does the supernatural, how does a supernatural God work through us, work in us, work with us, and work through us so that we can take part in his desire to redeem mankind so that we can take part in manifesting his glory, genuine glory. You know, if there is a true glory, there is a false glory. It, it's just int- it, uh, Kim, stay on track. I, I mean, guys, I am so full, so please forgive me, because I'm going to give you this tonight. And, um, my gosh, my gosh, we must become what the people in our sphere of influence need in order to help them move beyond where they are. Wow. Let me just take a sip of water and, and slow down because this is this is important what I'm about to share with you. It is really important. And I want you to go back and just look these things up for yourself. And um wow so what I want to give you is a template from Scripture. I call it a template and not a formula because God will not allow himself to be reduced to a formula for man to exploit. Let me say it again. God would not get, reduce himself to a formula for man to exploit. There are many ways to Jesus, but there's only one way to God. So when we have these three-point evangelistic, you know, outreach programs, that's a formula. And God, when God has your life surrendered to him, he doesn't need a formula. He needs you because he will give you what to say in time of need. He will help you or enable you to show up, my neighbor. We don't, we've never preached the gospel to them. We've never condemned them. We've entered in to bring them out. So the way we win people today is not the way we've done it before. The world does not want the gospel as we have presented it because we have delivered what we have not digested and what we have not become to our shame and to our exploitation in the world as Christians. God does use templates and patterns and symbols to help with our understanding. And when God uses a pattern, when God uses a pattern or a, a template, you can see that pattern or template in more than one place with it with that, uh, throughout the Bible because He establishes His Word in the mouth of two or three witnesses. And it's so for us to search these things out tonight. I don't have time to give you three or two or three. Well, I partly give you Jesus, but I really want to get the template to you, and then if if God so desires, then we will give you other examples of this template or pattern in Scripture. So what I want to do is give you this template, and then I want to give you a real-time testimony of this template in action. So here we go. Write down these three words, principle, process, Promise. Write down principle, process, promise. We need strategies, guys. When we come out of prayer, we need a strategy that works on the ground. I'm about to give you a strategy so that you can understand and participate with God in a template or a pattern throughout Scripture. Principle, process, and promise. The principle is the main thing that God desires. It's the main overarching thing. And there are many things that God desires, but, the, but when it, a principle is a main thing. It's the entree. It's the, it's the big thing. It's the big idea. So, for instance, one of the main things God desires is the salvation of all souls. He said, "I don't want anyone to perish, but all that would come, uh, come into the knowledge of of, of God in God Christ. He wants everybody to be saved. Hell wasn't created for people; it was created for demonic, uh, for for, the, for angels, the demons. So one desire, one main desire God has is for all to be saved. Another." main thing that God desires is that each one of us know him not relationally we're already in relationship because Jesus God was in Christ reconciling us to himself so when we talk Jesus wants a personal relationship he wants more than a personal relationship we're already in relationship when we uh, as Romans 10 9 and 10 says confess with your mouth believe in your heart that Lord Jesus and that God raised him from the dead and you'll be saved and that we're saved because of what Jesus did. God doesn't want relationship. I've got relationships with people that I'm not intimate with. God wants your intimacy. He wants your vulnerability. Every day, all the time, in every situation, and it will take the rest of our lives to offer God our vulnerability. That's a whole other message. Let me keep going. Father desires, another main thing that God desires is our sons. After the only begotten son, he desires sons. He desires sons. Another desire, He main thing he desires is a bride. These are the overarching things that are personal, important, and significant to the father. They are the main things. Father desires glory. That's an overarching thing. We do all things, what? Unto God, unto the glory of God. God wants us to see his glory. So these are examples of principle or, or, or main things, the principle or main things that God desires. And when we understand the main thing, then we're able to not only engage a process and receive the promise, we can do it much more effectively. Let me also say, God desires prosperity for his people. It is important, but it's not the main thing. There are people that are in poverty that know God better than some of the most wealthiest people on earth. I think of the word, I think of mother Teresa. I think of uh, the martyrs. I think of people from this country that have sold everything to go and be bread and light in third world countries. So prosperity is important. God desires it, but it's not the main thing. God desires us to be healed, but it's not the main thing. There are people that are showing off the glory of God in their process of contending for their health. Healing is important, physical healing, You know, it's important. I know we pray about that, and I know I'm stepping on toes here, but it's not the main thing. I know this is controversial. I know that I'm stepping on toes by saying this, but please, I beg you, just hear what the Spirit of God is saying, because whenever we make a lesser thing, or a minor thing, a major thing, and we emphasize it almost exclusively, we inevitably stray from the main thing. And we make the lesser thing the main thing. It it leads to idolatry. One of the main things the church is dealing with and God is exposing is idolatry in the body of Christ. Why? One of the reasons is that we have made the lesser things the main thing. And one time when Jesus was talking to the Pharisees, he said, listen, you tithe, you do all of these things, but you have forgotten the weightier things, so keep doing what you're doing, but you need to consider the weightier things. I believe that's in Matthew 23. Jesus said the script in the Ten Commandments, the first five things The first five things were about our relationship with God. The second five were with our relationship with men and each other. What he was saying is Pharisees, you are putting your relationship. You have put your relationship with me and the divine and who you are with me. And that is good. Keep doing it. However, you must turn and do the weightier things, and the weightier things have to do with displaying, revealing the, the, the glory of God, the compassion of God, the truth of God, not because it's coming out of our mouths, because we are walking truth. We are walking light. We have become the word. The word has become flesh. When we begin to teach that, we will change the world. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Let me go on because I want to show you this in Scripture before we have to end, and I want to be sensitive to your time. So the principal thing is the main thing God desires. It doesn't mean that other things aren't important, but the main thing is the main thing. And when we don't keep the main thing the main thing, we will become gods unto ourselves, and inevitably we will take things further than God ever intended, such that we become slaves to the very thing that we have yielded to. God doesn't want us to be slaves to finances. He doesn't want us to be slaves to material things. And that is one of the biggest challenges that we will face going forward, even as the church is persecuted, is our attachment to things. The second thing, process. The process is the way or the method God uses to accomplish the main thing the principle, the main thing. How does God accomplish the main thing? And sometimes it's difficult to see the main thing in the midst of our circumstances because they can be so overwhelming at times, so devastating, so hurtful that we can't see the main thing. And so when we're unable to see the main thing or connect the dots between the main thing and what's going on or the process by which God is, accomplishing it now i'm not saying that god puts sickness and disease on anyone but he will use it to his to accomplish the main thing do you ever notice that people and i i know this personally because i have walked with someone through this process for 10 years she had stage 4 cancer And she always kept the main thing, the main thing, after being given a a prognosis of 12 to 14 months to live. How could she do that? Because she always kept the main thing, the main thing. And when we don't keep the main thing, the main thing, we will inevitably get into error, sin, and ultimately idolatry. And so it's difficult sometimes because life is hard. The struggle is real. I get it. But we have to keep the main thing the main thing so that we can better understand the process. And even when we don't understand the things that are occurring in the process, we can hold on to the main thing because it's our faith that wins God's approval. It's not the outcome. It is the faith, our faith. That's in Hebrews. Our faith wins God's approval. So as long as we have faith in the main thing, we have already won, regardless of, of of the process or regardless of what we go through from time to time. Many of us will say things don't happen by coincidence. I don't know of a Christian, a, a, a true believer. All believers believe that there are no coincidences in the kingdom, and I tell you there are no coincidences in the kingdom. Everything that is happening to you is purposeful and we'll work together for the glory of God in so much as we love him and we've been called according to his purpose. That is, we've been called according to the main thing, not the lesser thing. So let's keep the main thing the main thing, the lesser thing the lesser thing, and let's, give, let, let's just focus on the main thing, and the lesser thing will come into right alignment with the main thing. God never intended the lesser thing to rule the main. He never intended for the moon to rule the light. The moon is the lesser light. The sun is the greater light. We keep the greater thing, the greater thing. So he, so the principle is the main thing. The process is how God accomplishes that thing, that main thing, or fulfills it. And the promise is what we can expect as a result. I'm going to show you this right in Scripture. I want you to see it so when I read it, you'll see what I'm saying, because we need to see what God is saying. So the promise is what we can expect as a result. Now, here's the thing, and I'm going to step on some toes again. We spend a lot of time declaring the promises of God, and we should. But if I'm honest with myself, and you're honest with yourself, how many of the promises And the words that you've received prophetically, are you still waiting to manifest in your life? Just pause and think about that. Think about the praying and the fasting you've done, the speaking in tongues, the studying, the searching it out. And yet, in your life and in my life, these promises are unfulfilled. We get tired. God said he would not suffer us above that which we're able to bear. So why are we suffering in ways that we're not able to bear. The Bible says, I would have fainted unless I believed I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. What is the goodness of the Lord? The main thing, not the lesser thing. God is adjusting the eyes of his people. He's reintroducing himself to his people. And so when we don't keep the main thing the main thing, and we spend the majority of our time declaring the promise and we, become, we will become dismissive of the process. We will reject the process and include anything that is contrary to the promise is the devil. Let me say that. When you just are declaring the promises, anything, now, some things are the devil. But typically, when you're just declaring the promises, Anything that happens contrary to that promise, you and I will be quick to say that's just the devil. That's just the devil doing it. That's just, devil. that's just the devil. That's just the devil. That's just the devil. But here's what my scripture says in Romans eleven thirty six: All things are from God, through God, and to God. So even if it is the devil, please understand, it got across daddy's desk first. It had to get the approval of the Father first to enter your life, even when we're in the wrong, even when we've opened the door. Oh, my gosh. The Bible says in Psalms, God helps the inexperienced. There's sometimes we open a door to something, but because of the grace of God on your life, God will not allow Satan to enter that door. I know it's true because if you just look at Job, If you just look at Job, you'll see every time that Job, that Satan wanted to step up the attack against Job, he had to go get the approval or permission of the father. Oh, my gosh. I got to stop on that one because I got to get this scripture before we leave. It's Isaiah 35. And I'm just going to read one through six. As I tell you all the time, when someone gives you scriptures, go back and read the context. Because one of the ways we focus on the lesser, one of the ways it happens is because we will take a scripture out of context. And there's several examples I can give you to do to uh, of that happening, and you would chuckle because you would say, "Yep, but this is not that day." So I'm gonna just stay right here. Let me let me read it to you. What I want you to listen for is the main thing then i want you to listen for the process then i want you to listen to, for the promise so here we go isaiah 35 1 through 6 and i'm reading from the christian standard bible it says the wilderness and the dry land will be glad the desert will rejoice and blossom like a flower It will blossom abundantly and will also with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it and the splendor of Carmel and Sharon. Now, here's where I want you to pay attention because I'm about to read to you the main thing, then I'm going to read the process, and then I'm going to read the promise. The main thing is the end of verse 2. They will see the glory of the Lord and the splendor of our God. The main thing in this scripture, in these verses, is that we will see the glory of the Lord and the splendor of our God. That is the main thing, that we would behold the glory of God, that we would see him, that that his brilliance would just spellbind us. He will, that we will see the glory. And I'll tell you this, in this hour, we will see the glory. And and God is accelerating things, but not just doing things. He's teaching us what we need to know to see the glory. Because if there is a true and genuine glory of the Father, please understand, there is a false glory of God. Example, the Bible, Jesus says, I am, excuse me, I am the light. Isn't it interesting that in our churches today, we have light shows, laser shows during worship? Just think about that for a minute. So we have the true light, which is Jesus Christ, or we say we do, but we put money into having and using light to appeal to the soul of God's people. Just think about that. So the main thing is that God, we will see his glory and the splendor of our God. Verse 3 and 4 are the process to seeing the glory. Strengthen the weak hands, steady the shaking knees, say to the cowardly, be strong, do not fear, here is your God, vengeance is coming, God's retribution is coming, and he will save you or rescue you. So the process involves growth. The process involves changing. So that's the process. The process is difficult because it requires something of you. The process will prick your pride before it makes its way to your heart. It will prick you. It will hurt. It will it will feel embarrassing, humiliating at times. But if we keep the main thing, the main thing is that I will see the glory of the, God, of, God, of the Lord and the splendor or the greatness of our God, then my God, I can take a little humiliation. And many of you have in your life have been humiliated beyond just, you know, a person who's not been humiliated's understanding. But we must keep the main thing, the main thing. And that humiliation is working. It is working. It is changing. It is transforming if we deliver the correct responses or the right or the responses God would have us to deliver at the time of our situation. So that's the process. We could go deeper into that. But let me give you the promise. So the the main thing is that you will see the glory of the Lord and you will see the splendor of his greatness. In this lifetime, (laughs) in this lifetime, we will have revival, but it is preceded by reformation. God is reforming the body of Christ. He's restructuring it. He's turning things upside down. He's shaking things in your life and my life. They seem to be coming, as Johnny Enloe says, they seem to be coming one, or, or Tony Evans says, one right after the other before you can hardly recover. Here's the next thing. Oh, my gosh. Read Hebrews 12 about the shakings. The body of Christ is not exempt. The process is the most difficult part of this thing. And then the promise. Here's the promise. If you go through the process, if you allow yourself to be taken through the process, because as I said said many times, you can't take yourself where you've never been. So your process will always involve people that, are ahead of you in some way, and they'll involve people that are designed to agitate and provoke you to respond to God, opportunities to choose God with your sovereignty. Then the promises, if you go through the process, then your, the eyes of the blind, your eyes will be opened, your ears will be unstopped, the ears of the deaf, the eyes of the blind will be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped the lame will leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute will sing for joy for water will gush in the wilderness and streams in the desert now i don't know about you but i pl- i pray for god to lift the veil from his people's eyes i pray that god would open the ears of those of his people i pray that god would d- d- help uh, help his people to find their voice that where we've been mute that we will speak oh gosh We sing. We will sing for joy. The top of this, guys, oh, my gosh. At the top of this call, what were we speaking about? The joy of the Lord. What did you have an opportunity to enter into? The joy of the Lord. The promise is that we will sing for joy. It is a promise. The love of God is unconditional. Whatever you do, however you live, whether you make your bed in hell or with the Father, he loves you. He loves people that are eternally separated from him. He loves what he created. But the blessings, the promises of God are contingent upon the fulfillment of a process. One of the things God is doing is because the people of God have not been taught this, one of the things God is doing for those who um, accept uh, the main thing and embrace the main thing, I believe he's compressing time for the process so that what ordinarily might take you 10 years may take you two. And what might have taken you two years to grasp or see the glory of God in your life or or to see or have your eyes open or those things that you believe in, God, for you to sing with joy, you know, all of the promises and some of the promises that you're waiting to be fulfilled that that those have been, that that he's taking a two-year process and slimming it down to one year or perhaps, you know, making one year six months or making, you know, six months, three months. The Bible says a day is a thousand years with the Lord, and a thousand years is one day. What is that telling us? First of all, God sits out of time. He is eternal. He enters time for our sake that we can manifest his glory. Time was created for us. So when you see a miracle, it's not that God has just done something necessarily supernatural. It is super and natural because it involves him working with and through man. But the reason why we see miracles, it's not that the process was circumvented. It is that God has the ability, he created time so he can compress it and he can elongate it to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. And he can do it because he sits out of time and he's not regulated by time. And so that's how come The process can be shortened, but the process can also be lengthened by your response to what's happening now in your life. It is 851. I have given you a mouthful. My prayer is that you hear the voice of the Lord through the the scriptures that I've given you, that God would activate this word in your life, and if nothing else, that I have provoked you to go and study this out for yourself guys god is not doing things the same way he did them before he wants every believer to be ignited he wants every believer to walk in a level of sovereignty he wants you and i see you have a glory that's unique to you i don't have the glory that god has assigned to you you don't have the glory that's assigned to me and 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 because our assignments are different But as the nations, God gives each nation its own glory. And whether that nation reflects the glory and the intended purpose of God is between God and that nation. You have a glory. That is uniquely part of God's divine plan for your life. Your glory in each of us, we reflect an aspect of God's glory. But when we come together, oh, gosh, this is what it says in ephesians in ephesians i believe it's two it said that in the fullness of time god would gather us all all together in christ why so that we can show off his manifold wisdom to the powers principalities and rulers of darkness your glory and my glory together is intended to to show off and overthrow the powers of darkness And so until you are walking in your sovereignty, we're not in a place to surrender to God, to surrender to the process. We will renounce the process. We'll dismiss the process. We will think that we're different. We don't have to go through the process. But the Bible says, wide is the gate that leadeth unto destruction, and many go therein. But narrow is the gate and straighteth is the way that leads unto God. And few it, This is the process. I can show you this process in Jesus' life. But it's 854. I said I was going to talk a little slower, but I really just wanted to finish. I also pray that the love of God would infuse these words, for they're not intended to destroy you. They're intended to assist you and enable you and empower you. Jesus came to destroy the work of the devil. So if there is any destruction, it is not to the people of God. It's not to you. The mental constructs, the religious thinking that has enslaved the people of God. And as I will say in the beginning, religion, there's an aspect of religion to every denomination. When we get back to teaching Jesus and the Father's delight in Jesus, When we begin to study and live according to the pattern of Jesus, we will see revival. Because that's the protocol. So, Father, in Jesus' name, I know, God, I've just emptied myself, God. I also know that, God, I've shared and perhaps overwhelmed some. But, Father, God, I ask you before I even got on and even as I was speaking with you today, I ask you to say what was necessary to put a bit in my mouth and a bridle in my tongue. I wanted to share a testimony specifically, specifically real time. And I'm going to submit to Amy because it is relevant and it just happened about how God confirms. But you know what? I'm gonna exercise self-control because I do have sovereignty. If Amy will remind me, I will share it with you next week. So, in Jesus' name, Father, I thank you that I am a free-willing and choosing being. And, Lord, you said the word of the prophet is subject to the prophet. So, even you don't take away our sovereignty in our giftings. And so, Father God, I exercise the self-control, which is the fruit of the spirit. And I stop. Bless your people, God, with the blessings that make them rich and add no sorrow. Equip them. I thank you, Father God, for being a part of what you're doing in this hour. Now, raise up relationship game changers that know their God. They understand the main thing. They engage the process, and they are in receipt of the promises in the here and now. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amy.
1: Amen. Amen. Wow, that was good, and I still have the joy of the Lord. <laughs> bubbling up <laughs> i'm
0: telling and you what
1: you know what I, I will say this
0: where the spirit of the lord there is liberty and where there's liberty there's joy yes
1: there is <laughs> there really is and we we, and we, we were know. laughing
0: like crazy i mean richard got on the phone and we were praying before <laughs> and before i could hardly say anything he just breaks out into his laughter and then, and then, then Patsy just jumps in, and then Mother Kennedy and my—I mean, it was like a, a Holy Ghost party. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I tell mm-hmm. you what—you know, Richard's such an example of of keeping the lesser things lesser and the greater things greater, and that makes sense to me. It's kind of like if if keeping the glory, um, in full view. It, it's about his yeah. glory and, and not about the things, the processes we're going through, making that the greater, right? It, Absolutely. it totally, what you're, what you've taught makes complete sense. It, it makes sense. I'm going to go back and, and look it up, but it, it really does make sense. And I mean, the to me, you know, I'm so visual. So the moon and the sun is a great example. I mean, the moon will never overtake the sun. That's not the point. Uh,
0: right. Yet
1: it's necessary and needed. So that that makes sense to me, and coming into alignment so that our lives can manifest Jesus's glory in such a way that, like you said, we don't have to name who we are. We just are bread and light and the gate, because Jesus is living in us. And wow, this is it's so good. <laughs> So good, I wanna come go uh, back. Um, you know and and, and and just I'm gonna give the replay. It I think it does take time to sit with it and
0: it's revelatory you know, just
1: examine ourselves, you know? Yeah. It's revelatory and just seeing what God's doing in each of us, you know, where just to sit and think about where maybe we are making something greater than we are. Where the process is and it becomes
0: idolatry. And the thing is, and, and part of the frustration, many of us have received prophetic words. And I'm not, there's nothing wrong with that. And we declare the promises of God, but we've ignored the, we've ignored the process and we've ignored the main thing. One, of the, one other main thing God desires is a people in his image and likeness. And while we are in the image of God, we're not trying to be in the image of God. We are. We were recreated in his image. The Bible says in Romans 12, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. So one of the main things that the church has neglected is character. And character mm-hmm. will never trump the, I mean, uh, the anointing and gifts will never trump the character. Because the gift mm-hmm. is what God gives you. Your character is
1: what you give God. Mm-hmm. That's good. Ginger for all you guys hearing ginger snaps in the background. No, <laughs> I do. You know, Amy if any
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And if if people have questions or you know, but what about this or I don't agree with that or you know however, you can always reach me at Kim at More, my last name M O O R E on Relationships dot com. I answer my own emails um, I am going to be away this weekend, so it may take me just a little bit longer to get to them. But I do answer my own emails, and I hope to always be in a place that I can answer my own emails. It is a joy to answer emails. It's a privilege to respond to the people of God, and I don't take that lightly. We must, we must do that. And so, yes, I answer my own e- emails. And if you want to be quicker about it, then you can text Amy and she'll give you all that information.
1: Yeah, so I'll go ahead and give that to you. I I like that email or or texting me because that way we have time to ponder. So if anyone has a question this week, you can email Kim or you can text me at 678-754-0867. And the replay number is 605 475 four nine eight zero and the access code is three four one zero 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 pound and tonight's call number is what is it kim
0: one six seven pound and amy if anybody wants coaching through this process
1: um if you'll just text amy and she can get you what you need yes i can i can send you the um link for coaching if anybody wants a coach And thank you guys for joining us. We love you, and we will see you or hear you on the call next week. God bless you. Bye-bye.